0: Hey guys, welcome back to Unpopular. I am feeling refreshed from all the vitamin D. No, I am not getting dicked down, but the sun is out, the weather's nice, I'm ready for a hot Aussie summer. I can't wait. I feel like my destiny is to be a rich person that chases summer around. Like, you know how people that live in New York, rich people that live in New York will go over to, like, Miami in the New York winter and, like, sit by the beach there? I feel like that's my life path, but I'm not rich because I did my taxes and it's not good. I have only done my taxes once in my life, exactly 10 years ago, and it's been on my to-do list for a long time because I just knew that I had to take care of it before I move overseas next year. So far I owe about $13,000, although it could be more with added penalties and stuff like that. I don't even understand tax and how money works. So when the accountant was sending back all these figures, I thought I was going to get paid that. I was like calculating in my head, oh my God, okay, I'm going to get a MacBook Pro with this. I'm going to get the new iPhone. I'm going to get some new equipment for my podcast so I can film the pods. Like I'm fucking tallying it up in my head. And then I'm like, oh wait, I fucking owe this money. Like what? I didn't claim that much back. Like, cause I just it's like a decade of fucking taxes. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to go over a decade worth of receipts that obviously I haven't kept. And I don't have the time to do that anyway. Like, I'm so busy as it is. Like, really? You think I can just spend every single night, like, pouring over receipts? I hired an expensive um, media accountant, like an accountant that specializes in the media industry, because I just thought that, like, they would do all of that. Like, I just thought, okay, I give them like my bank details and, you know, my password and they just like go through it and they're like, claim, claim. And you know, they claim it all. Like, I didn't even think that I had to do that much. And then they're sending me all these like forms to fill out of like claim things. I'm like, why am I feeling th- like, what am I filling this out for? So why am I paying two and a half thousand dollars for an account and For me to fill out forms. Like, what the fuck? It was horrible. It was, like, torture. Like, when I had to fill out those forms, I'm not even exaggerating. I was, like, groaning and moaning and, like, rolling around and stuff. Like, I would, like, collapse on the floor and, like, just lie there and Chunky would come over. And then i will get distracted and, like, I'd play with Chunky because, like, I just didn't want to fill out the forms because it's so bad. And people have been hating on me, like, oh, my God, how could you not know how to do tax at your age? Uh, because I was never taught in school, and I was so bad at math, I was in, like, the special ed class for it. It wasn't actually special ed, but it was, like, borderline. It was, like, the hoodlums and, like, you know, the slow kids and stuff. And not to play the victim card, but I did have mental health issues in high school, from, like, depression and stuff like that. My teacher bullied me for being gay. Like, this was a country-ass school in the early 2000s, okay, it wasn't like now where Zoomers call HR because the teacher accidentally used the wrong pronoun. Teachers were mean back then, and they were just stupid too, because like I said, it was like a country school. Like, my English class, which was the only class that I liked, the English teacher made us do Twister as, you know, our film studies. Fucking Twister. And it was his favourite movie. Can you imagine being an English teacher and your favourite movie... Is Twister. And then he would pause the movie during the class to like explain the plot. And I was just sitting there like my blood fucking boiling. Like, do you think we're like this stupid? And then class would come out for, you know, recess or whatever, lunch. And I'd like, you know, say to the other kids, I'm like, can you believe this? Like, he's making us do fucking Twister. Like, are we that dumb? And they're like, oh, I like it. I think it's interesting. Like, that's what I was dealing with at my school. Like, they. Like, I'm I'm sitting there going, are people crazy? Like, what am I doing here that I'm surrounded by people that want to do fucking Twister for English class? Anyway, I skipped school all the time, hated it. I dropped out by... I'm not sure if I dropped out at 15... Or 16, I don't know, 15 or 16. I may as well have dropped out at 15 with all of the um, school that I skipped anyway. And then by 16, I moved to Sydney by myself, and I got a job, and I just worked, like Vicky Gumbleson. So that's always been my relationship with money, is just, like, get a job and work, and then, like spend the money. If you have money, like, spend money on stuff. If you don't, you don't. Like, I've never really gone into debt. I never got on um plans for things. Like, actually, I did go on a mobile phone plan in the last few years, but before that, I always just bought my iPhones, like, outright. Like, that's how I've always dealt with money. And for, like, the last few years, I've just... I've worked constantly. Like... I mean, yeah, not to sound like Vicky, but I'm working like six to seven days a week. And then when I went to America in May, that was the first vacation I've ever taken in my entire life ever. When I was in my twenties, I was too broke to travel and do stuff. And then once my career picked up, I've just been too busy, like working all the time. So it kind of just went from like broke, broke, you know, eating fucking ramen noodles and struggling. And then once I had money coming and it's just like work, 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 like That's pretty much all that I've done. And then since I've started the podcast and I've had a promotion at work and things like that, and I do the Patreon, which takes up a lot of time, and then I have other projects I'm working on, like, you guys know I'm working on that Montana show, and there's always something fucking extra to do for that. Like, I've just been putting together a new pitch deck and all this stuff. So it's just like, I'm grinding my fucking ass off all the time, and then I'm slapped with this huge fucking tax bill. I'm like, am I being punished for working? I mean, every time I go on fucking Twitter, I'm seeing people, like, smash target windows and run out with, like, you know, sneakers and, like, bundles of things and, like, crime everywhere, and then I'm here, like, working my fucking ass into the goddamn ground, and then it's like, oh, you owe all this money to the tax man, like, fuck off. Like, the last time I did my tax, when I was about 24 or 25, so that was, like, the first time I did it and I didn't really have a career. Like I was sort of going between like freelance jobs and unemployment and studying. Like I did a music, uh, I did like a music business course or something like that. I can't remember some kind of, cause I wanted to work in the music industry back in the day. So I did that and I got money back when I did my taxes then. So it's like, okay, so I got money back when I was a fucking bum. And now that I'm like a career girl, I'm punished for my work ethic. Like I'm just so over it. And I do resent people that don't work. Like especially men, men that don't work are unfuckable, hundred percent disgusting. I don't care if it's a low-paying job. I'm not saying you have to be earning like really good money. I just want to see that you can, like at least get off your ass like the rest of it. You don't even need to work like full time and be like super ambitious. You know how you watch um reality shows, and it's always these broadcast influences, like on dating shows. And, like, you know, love is blind and stuff. They're like, I want someone I can build an empire with. I don't want someone I can build an empire with. I mean, if I can build an empire with someone cool, but it's not, like, the top of my list. I just want to see that you have, like, some kind of work ethic, and you're not a total fucking loser, okay? I don't- I'm not that ambitious. Like, I don't care about the prestige of job titles. Like, some people just want certain job titles because, like, it looks good and it's for their ego. I don't care. Um... I don't care about, like, if you're making tons of money to just buy a bunch of useless crap. Just, like, if we can be, like, comfortable and just, like, a normal fucking life, that's fine. I just want to see that people can have a go, and I can't stand people that don't work. And, like, a lot of the resentment is just out of bitterness, for sure, because, like, I don't love working, and I'm jealous of people that actually can get away without having a job, and that they can just sort of indulge in all of their, like you know, creative whims and romantic desires, and it's like, yeah, they don't have to, like, grind and work all the time. Like, I don't work constantly because I love it. Like, it's tolerable, but it definitely doesn't feed my soul. Like, trust me, if I could snap my fingers and have a career that doesn't involve celebrity gossip or, like, watching Bravo, I would be clicking my ruby slippers until I had fucking blisters on my feet. Like, it's so weird to me, even that I ended up in- like, a tabloid celebrity kind of industry, like, I don't care about celebrity gossip, like, enough with Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift, like, it's just too much, like, every time I fucking open the Daily Mail, it's, like, these two, or just, like, other stories that I just so don't care about, and it's, like, shoved in my face, and I'm sitting there sometimes, and I'm, like, god, I can't believe how many people love this, and then it's, like, my job to, like, shovel this shit to the masses, you know? And then instead of all of this, like, you know, paying off and making the hard yards worth it all and, like, getting money back and stuff, now I'm in debt. Like, I'm in fucking debt right as I'm planning to, like, move overseas and do all these things with my career. Whatever. I know people like, oh my god, it's your fault. Like, you didn't claim enough. I get it. Like, whatever. Like I said, bitch, no one taught me how to do... Taxes and finances, they don't teach that in school. They teach you, like, stupid algebra equations that you don't use. You know, like, uh, Romeo and Michelle's high school reunion, and they're like, yeah, when we were in high school, they were like, when you row a fucking boat, and then how, how much do you fucking push the rows in, like, the water, and then what does that equal to the square root of whatever? Like, it's just the stupidest shit, and then watching, like, Twister. You know what I mean? Like, there was nothing good that came from school. It was so, like, everything that I've learned that's worth fucking learning, like, didn't come from school, like, period. So, can I just catch a break? Like, gee, my God. Like, honestly, like, one step fucking forward, two steps back, I swear. But it's fine. I'm, like, not... As pissed as I sound about it, because I'm like, all right, well, whatever, I've got it out the way now, it's fucking done. And moving forward, I'm keeping every receipt, because I guess on the bright side, since I do work 24 7, I can kind of like claim everything. So I do have a tax folder now, and every fucking thing is going in there. And then I feel like my next year, I'll actually get a big return. I mean, I probably won't get anything back because I'll have this tax debt, but hopefully it'll like wipe it out or like wipe most of it out. And then I'll be clean and debt free. And it's almost summer and I have a lot of stuff that I'm doing. So the devil's taxation will not slow me down. One of the bright spots of my week was listening to Jonathan Van Ness crying on Dak Shepard's podcast over trans women in sports. I don't even know why JVN was commenting on sports. He's not exactly the picture of health, but he really got into it. And first of all, I don't know what gender he is. And that's not shade. I'm not like, oh, these these crazy people with their multiple genders. Like He actually has like every gender. So he's he... He's a she, he's also non-binary, but then later on he says that he's transgender and that he wants to transition, but he's too scared to transition because there's too much transphobia. So... He's every gender. In this interview, he was definitely um, more of the female side because those white woman tears were flowing, okay? As soon as Dax Shepard hit him with some like hard facts and home truths about trans sports, those white woman tears came out like a goddamn waterfall. The victim complex was flying high. He sounded like one of those racist Walmart Karens that gets caught on camera using a racial slur in the parking lot, and then when they realize they're being filmed and that it's not going well for them, they just burst into tears tears out of desperation it's funny because i'm so used to listening to like less mainstream pods that i forget that on some of the like big normie shows that when they talk about you know quote unquote sensitive subjects they have to have like all of these disclaimers and dance around it like right at the beginning dax Shepard and his co-hosts were like this is a trigger warning to everyone this is like a really sensitive nuanced subject and you know, there's a lot of sides to this, and we're just like doing our best to have this conversation. It's like it's actually not a complicated, nuanced subject. Like men, are, men are men; women are women. We've segregated the sexes for a long time, and we don't need to do a fake little rain dance every time we talk about it. I mean, maybe if you're Dax Shepard, you do because you can, you know, lose sponsors and things like that. But all the pods I listen to, people just talk normally, and. Sidebar for a second, not to sound like an annoying gay cliche that just like dick rides Red Scare all the time. But listening to Dax Shepard and JVN, I was thinking, thank God that we do have podcasts like Red Scare and even Joe Rogan, et cetera, that are, you know, really popular and have a lot of listeners because you need to hear people just having normal politically incorrect conversations and making, you know, naughty jokes like people actually do in real life instead of this fake performance that podcasters and public figures do when they're in front of an audience and add disclaimers to everything and you know we need to hear people talking like you do in real life which is to have a conversation that is without all of these fake and gay little rules that have been made up by like democrats on what you can and can't say anyway i didn't actually know anything about dax shepherd really before This podcast, like I knew that he is like the top celebrity podcaster or one of them. I've never seen anything he's in. I checked his IMDb. I have I've seen Web Therapy, Lisa Kudrow's online show that he was on. That's literally it. I had no idea about his politics, left or right, or where he stands. But he did a really good job of checking JVN, who was just a manipulative little fucking bimbo rat, and I always sort of disliked. JVN, one, just because he's, like, super annoying and, like, he just spreads a lot of nonsense, but I remember back when I used to like Bernie back in the day, there was a viral clip of the, uh, Queer Eye guys, and they were like, oh my god, Bernie, gross, and they were, like, trashing him. I'm like, I thought you guys were, like, lefties, but then they were, like, "Yes, queening," I don't know, Hillary or whatever, and I'm like, okay, so you guys are just, like, fake annoying leftists, but I have some of, um, JVN's hair products, because, that I will follow him. Am I going to follow JVN for politics? Of course not. Do I think he has good hair and he's talented in that space? Yes. So I have his hair oil, which I think is fake. I think a lot of those hair oils, like literally, I think they're all the same and they just put like different marketing on all of them. So whatever. But I've used his shampoo and the conditioner and I really liked it. I'm a fan of it. So points to JVN in the hair department. But the tension in the interview started when. JVN said that he wanted to suck Joe Biden's dick and that we have to vote blue no matter who. And that the only reason Republicans don't vote Democrat is because they're so uneducated and they're victims of quote misinformation and therefore cannot make informed decisions for themselves. <laughs> and um misinformation, by the way, is fake. Like another thing that Democrats have made up. It, it means. Things that Democrats don't agree with is misinformation. They literally just copied Trump because Trump started the whole fake news thing. It caught on, and now everyone says that news they don't agree with is fake news. So then Democrats were like, well, we're going to counter it. How about misinformation? And they invented that. So these are all fake words and terms. But when um, JVN was saying that Republicans only don't vote Democrat because of misinformation and because they're so stupid. Dax Shepard was like, "Uh, I reject that. I think they're just like conservative and have a different opinion to you. That doesn't mean that they're uneducated. And JVN did not like that. And then he starts trying to downplay misinformation on the left because Dax Shepard was like, there's misinformation on both sides and JVN's trying to like downplay it and make out like the right wing has more misinformation. I mean, I don't think it really fucking matters. You know what I mean? Like of course there's misinformation and fake news on like both sides. Do we really need to get into a pissing contest of like, well, there was 70% fake stories on this side as opposed to 59% on the other side. It's like, guys, how low is your fucking bar? But um when he was saying that there's like Barely any misinformation on the left. Dax Shepard's like, um, how about we start with COVID? And JVN was gagged and I actually squealed. Like I was listening in the background while I was at work and I was like, yes, bitch. And then um Dax brought up some stats uh about the New York Times and how it had like put some fake stories out or whatever. And JVN's like, well, They're actually not on the left, and they're transphobic. And if you're transphobic, like, you can't be on the left. And he just kept steering the conversation to queerness and transgenderism and... J.K. Rowling, she tweets things that are serious and misinformation. And he's going around in circles, spinning his fucking wheels, and um, you know, upset at the New York Times because they ran a few articles about that were critical of gender-affirming care of minors. I actually did an episode on this. I can't remember which one, but it's in the archives somewhere because that was an interesting phenomenon that New York Times essentially was just uncritically pushing all of this, like, transgender nonsense. And then, you know, they were late to the party, as the mainstream usually is, and they finally did, like, a couple of stories here and there that were critical of it. And, like, people, like the JVNs of the world, lost their minds. A lot of the, um... The woke New York Times staffers, like, they're all banded together and, um, signed some fucking petition thing about New York Times being transphobic. It was crazy. I'm like, oh, okay, this is, this is American journalists today starting petitions for information (laughs) that they don't like. Very bizarre. Um that's where we are today so whatever anyway they get on to trans women in sports and jvn is spitting out the usual fake ass studies and sources about how like there's no difference and there's like no advantage um they do this all the time i don't know if like normal people that aren't super invested in this shit if and like don't follow it super closely understand that people like jvn and these like fucking, like, you know, militant gender goblin activists cherry-pick these fake studies from totally biased places, like the LGBTQIA Centre for Queerness and Misogynoir Among Mexican Amputees, and they'll, like, cite a study from there and use it to lie to you about, you know, settled science on biology that we've all known for, you know, decades and however fucking long it goes back. Um... And then, like, Dax Shepard is kind of countering JVN, and JVN starts trying to kind of, like, deflect and, like, spin into different areas. So, he's like, well, let's talk about the economic differences, because that's not fair. If you want to talk about what's fair, the economics are not fair. If you're wealthy and you grow up with an ice rink, you're going to have an advantage over a poor POC kid from Detroit, And Dax Shepard's kind of, like, just being calm and logical, and he's like, yeah, no, I agree with you, but can we just, like, fix the economic issues instead of just, like, adding, like, more shit that's unfair and having, like, Leah Thomas? He also lied, by the way, JVN, about, like, Leah Thomas never won a race, and then he just, like, cherry-picked whichever, like, swimming races that Leah Thomas didn't do well in, (laughs) like, it was so fucking misleading. Um... And then JVN, like, at this point, he's spiraling, you know, he's talking quickly, you can tell the the heart rate is up, he's probably flushed in the face, and his gender studies gobbledygook just couldn't withstand the pressure of a straight white male. So, he starts bringing up, you know, white privilege, inferring that Dax Shepard is transphobic, but being like, no, I'm not saying that you're transphobic, but by playing devil's advocate, you're spreading dangerous transphobic rhetoric, which can be transphobic, and it is misinformation. Like, he's doing it in this really roundabout way. Like, bitch, just say what you fucking mean. Like, we know what you're trying to do here, you little fucking rat. And, you know, gaslighting Dax Shepard. They pull out every fucking trick that they can, every form of, like psychological torture and manipulation. They should go work in fucking Guantanamo Bay back in the day with the goddamn prisoners in there and torture them, because I'm sure that JVN would be good at it. And then finally he gets to crying, starts crying, breaking down, I didn't come here to do this, even though he literally has like a political podcast and JVN's whole thing is like, being political and, you know, I'm, I'm supporting Elizabeth Warren and, like, this is why we need to talk about this election in Georgia because it's important for trans rights, but now all of a sudden he didn't come on Armchair Expert to debate anything. Okay, girl. And he's like, I'm just so tired of fighting for little kids to be included. I'm just so tired. Okay, so now you're a victim because you lost an argument and... Saying that you're fighting for little kids to be included is an interesting way of saying that you're fighting to have children medicalized off of, like, fake science and pumped full of dangerous hormones like they're a fucking battery hen. Yeah, you're fighting for little kids. Like, these people are so fucking disgusting. Like, they cannot withstand any pushback because they have no side to the argument. I mean, JVN could maybe... JVN would have a point against some of the people that really are transphobic, like the Matt Walsh's of the world, who are just, like, horrible, but when you get someone like a Dax Shepherd, who, from what I could hear in this, sounds like you're sort of, like, reasonable, independent person that is just kind of, like, probably a little bit, like, left, like, independent, but, like, left-leaning, and just sort of follows, like, basic facts and logic on things, when you try to go against him with someone like that, someone like JVN just, like, fucking falls to pieces, and, like, it's so fucking deceptive. They'll throw fake stats at you and fake studies, gaslight, use fucking straw mans to try to trip you up, start crying, I'm a victim, start the implying of, like, oh, you're bigoted, you're using transphobic rhetoric. Yeah, every everything I don't like is transphobic and misinformation. Every fucking trick in the book... Um, And then he even starts crying about, like, he might be transgender, which is the narcissism coming through, because now it's like, I'm going to make it all about me. And he's like, "I I think I might be trans, but I'm just too afraid because of the transphobic vitriol out there. It's like, girl, you are in Hollywood. You're, like, rich and famous. You're so successful. Like, I literally own your products here in Australia, okay? I have your fucking shampoo in my fucking shower stall i have since switched to olaplex so i didn't finish the jvn because the olaplex is better and it's much more expensive but like jvn's products are like decent too um he has like a net he has a netflix queer eye show that people love i mean i you could not pay me to watch that but i know a lot of um you know the the female um drag race crowd love queer eye he's like my best friend um And he has a hit podcast, I'm sure he has, like, books, I know he goes on tour, I think he toured in Australia, like, he's, like, killing it, like, he will be fine if he transitions in his little Hollywood bubble, like, you're not too scared to transition, you're just not trans, like, you're just a chubby bearded gay man who wears ugly dresses and gets praised for it, and God bless you, you built an empire with it, like... I'm so glad that you get to wear dresses and, like, you have an army of followers that love that and celebrate that for you and love all of your, you know, weird politics. Good for you, but, like, you're not a fucking victim, girl. Like, stop. Um, Dax is getting some backlash for this from listeners and from the media. Like, there's definitely articles that are, like, trying to put him in a negative light, but he hasn't been totally cancelled, so that's a win, um... Because I think if this happened a few years ago in America, like, it actually would have been that domino effect of, um, Dax Shepard's transphobic interview, and then it would have been, like, they pull the episode down, then the activists would have started coming after the sponsors, and the sponsors would have had to drop him, and then there would have been pressure on, like, iHeartRadio or whoever his fucking, you know, owner of his podcast is, for them to, like, pull his podcast, and that didn't happen, so... We are making strides from where where we were a few years ago. I think the media would have um, given him the Joe Rogan edit if they could, which would have been like, Dax Shepard's podcast is spreading right-wing misinformation, and this is why he needs to be deplatformed, and now this is why we need to deplatform Rumble in case he takes his podcast over there. You should read Dax's uh, podcast reviews, though, if you want to laugh. Like, it's gone from just glowing, like, five-star reviews and this, you know, inoffensive super mainstream popular podcasts that you know you open any podcast app and it's up there with like you know um stuff you should know and like you know the other mainstream pods and now it's like a bunch of fucking one-star reviews from gender goblins and white women crying about dax being problematic and he needs to educate himself and it's disgusting how he talked to jvn One thing I was actually thankful for listening to their exchange was that I've tried to step back from politics in the last year and just overall, and like, I've just been conscious to not let it kind of consume me and not get sucked in too much by it. Like, I still keep abreast of the stuff that I'm interested in and I dip in and out and like, I try to have fun with it, but it's super unhealthy to be obsessed with it because then- everything you see in life, you just politicise. And, like, Americans do this, especially. Like, I get messages from listeners in Europe that are like, oh, my God, like, Americans will politicise a a fucking lawn chair. You know what I mean? Um, So I'm, like, conscious not to do that because, like, I enjoy enjoy politics to a certain extent, but I'm like, I will never let this shit, like, consume me. And JVN is just a full-on, like, lib-brained, like, dumbass where he's just obsessed with, like, everything, like, every local election across the country and yes, queening every Democrat and confronting random people at parties about why they need to vote blue no matter who this election because this one's really important and the world's going to end if we don't vote this way this time and then crying and hyperventilating if he turns on CNN and some Republican said something foul, like- it's no way to live especially when you have all that money and you're like so successful i think he's married it's like girl you have everything like you've got the money the man the career like you're like killing it and you're out here like crying on dax shepherd's podcast because he doesn't want to fucking chop little boys weaners off like (laughs) please like i cannot um i saw this democrat going viral this week actually on social media um jasmine something she's pretty attractive and she's this like sassy black woman and that's sort of all it takes i think for democrats to stand you because she like read some of the read in quotes some of the uh republicans at the biden impeachment hearing she was like listen here, y'all, the only thing that Biden is guilty of is loving his son too damn much. Can I get an amen, y'all? And everyone's like, woo, yeah! Like, you know, queening and, like, cheering her. And I'm sure she, like, planned it because she knew there would be heaps of media attention on the impeachment. And American politicians literally just they just act the same way as reality stars where it's just in their mind is constantly turning over like, okay, like what's the next publicity stunt? So I can get, you know, booked on this thing, get booked here. And, um, she knew that if she was like sassy in the (laughs) sassy during the hearing, it would get turned into memes and like thrust her in the spotlight. She'll get booked on MSNBC. Like remember that year when, um, Nancy Pelosi, they were just like memeing everything she did, and she was like doing it on purpose. She was doing those like little like claps and stuff, and then people just going nuts for it. And who was the other one? Maxine Waters. I'm reclaiming my time. And I was like, Yes, yes, Queen. Like, you really don't have to do that much to whip people up. It goes both ways. The bar's so low. Like, Republicans are exactly the same. Like, They cheer for fucking Lauren Bobart every time she tweets a Christmas photo with her kids holding machine guns. And she'll, like, pose in front of an American flag with her huge heaving boobs, you know, strapped into some tight blazer that's about to snap open from the weight of her cleavage. And everyone's like, yes! I don't know what Republicans say. They don't say, yes, Queen. What do they say? They put American flags, comment American flags and, like um, muscle arm emojis. Knock yourselves out of the polls, guys. Enjoy that. I will be riding my bike in the sunshine. I haven't watched a ton of TV this week, but as usual, I've got my Real Housewives recaps and rants on Patreon, along with some podcast drama slash tea that I shared on there. Also, if you're on Patreon, I'm doing another Q&A on there, and you can ask me anything you want. I'll answer it. Nothing's off limits. I used to do these all the time, but I haven't done them for a while, so I'm bringing it back. So, if you're on Patreon, you can submit questions. Um... The link is in the bio here, or go to patreon.com slash unpopularjp, and it's all there. And uh, yeah, I've got um, Salt Lake City stuff on there, the OC finale. It's, I'm mentioning it all, um, except Rony Reboot, which I stopped covering because it's just awful. Anyway, I did watch the NeNe Leagues interview on Bethany's podcast. That was a slog. That one I was strictly doing for the pod. I mean, I saw it come out. And I've got my um, mentions turned off on Instagram, which I was really happy about, because I'm like, I don't need 47 people tagging me in this, like I haven't seen it. And yeah, I subjected myself to this two-hour interview. First of all, hats off to Bethany for getting all of these, you know, big, juicy, kind of like, bravo bombshell interviews. First Raquel and now Nene. I love how she just like pretends to care about these people and pretends that she cares about their well-being so she can get some like juicy page six quotes that'll bring her downloads up on her podcast so good for you Bethany you're making it happen I've given all of my thoughts on Nini's bogus you know racism lawsuits so many times I'm not just gonna like repeat all of that because you know we've been there I don't think I need to like go over every um you know, ridiculous claim that she made in the interview, and uh, debunk it. If you believe what comes out of Nini's mouth, you lack critical thinking skills, or you're just like a huge Nini stan, and you've got blinders on, and you're not uh, you're not thinking about it objectively. But um, it was so bad that she made Bethany sound like the normal one, which is real hard to do because I always think that like I think of Bethany is like at this point, like, the craziest person to come out of Housewives. You know, she's so visible and she's so loud and she has an opinion on everything. And you just think, okay, she's definitely the biggest delusional narcissist to come out of this franchise. And then you hear NeNe Leakes... And when NeNe leaks really gets going, it's like, oh, damn, like, NeNe even outdoes Bethany. The first half of the podcast, NeNe actually came off pretty likable because she wasn't talking about Bravo stuff. She was actually, like, talking about how she met Greg in the strip club and how she fell in love with him and she'd never been with a gentleman before and he won her over. It was very endearing and sweet and... I was, like, listening to it myself, and I was like, oh, my God, people are so going to get sucked into Nene's bullshit because she's just so likable in this part of the interview. Then you get to part two, and that's when she gets into all the Bravo stuff, and it's, like, listening to Teresa Judice at a Jersey reunion, like, just lies, lies, lies. Everything she says is untrue and insane, like, hilariously so, and she just, like, cherry-picks all of these examples to bolster her fake, you know, narrative that um, Bravo treated her unfairly and then were racist to her. Um, You can't believe anything she says. It's, like, absurd. In a nutshell, what actually happened to her was she was getting more and more difficult to work with, and it was reading on camera, so it's not just, like, behind the scenes. Like, it's on camera, it's, like, fucking up the show's energy and- you know, storylines and everything. It's literally, like, bringing the shows down. She was completely miserable. She started behaving very unprofessionally. Her personal storylines were flatlining. She didn't have a lot going on. That's why she wasn't uh, getting featured in every episode, because- she she wasn't she was just miserable and like not doing anything she spent her last season on the show completely lying out of her ass because she brought this friend on um named yuvana and she told yuvana to like secretly record the other women so she could get dirt on them but then she like lied about it and it turned into like it fucked up the storyline because then it just became this he said she said because nini can't cop to anything that she does so that was like a huge mess and then at the reunion they found out that um like it was so embarrassing at the reunion she had like scripted insults like rehearsed reads she had comedians write her like shady lines and when she got called out and embarrassed at the reunion she slammed her laptop shut because it was the covid reunion where they were all recording from home on zoom and like the camera went down then you could see her like scripted insults there like it was so embarrassing and production said to her they were like you seem really, really unhappy. We just want you to, like, take a break from the show this year. We're going to give you a ton of money to film a few episodes so you can have a break. And then Nini, like many housewives, suffers from NPD and delusions of grandeur, couldn't take the ego hit of a demotion, especially after, like, such an embarrassing season. Like, Kenya and some of the other girls really just, like, ran over her and then, you know, reversed the car. It was It was super, super humiliating. Um... And she obviously wanted to come back and, like, you know, get her crown back. So, she filed this bogus racism lawsuit against Bravo. And then she went to the media um, to hype it up and to put pressure on Bravo during the height of Black Lives Matter via the media. And, you know, cancel cultures raging. Basically, any claim that a black person made against a white person or a company at that time was just blindly believed and went unchecked. So, she's doing this media tour. Pretty much trying to extort Bravo into rehiring her full season. And she thought it would work. It didn't. Bravo settled with her behind the scenes quietly, then cut all ties with her. And then she spent the last few years doing these bipolar interviews where she calls them racist and says she was mistreated. But then she also, like, begs to return to the show and wants to make up with Andy, even though Andy's supposedly this racist father figure that stabbed her in the back. Like, it's. It's full-on mental illness. It's actually pretty sad when you look at it. Um, and the Bethany of it all, that was really funny, because Bethany clearly only had Nene on to, like, fuel her own vendetta against Bravo and Andy. Like, she just wanted Nene there to, like, give her talking points that would bolster the reality reckoning that she's got going on, but... My Bethany take – I've actually said this on Patreon a long time ago, but here it is for you guys – Bethany's basically trying to take down Andy Cohen specifically because Andy embarrassed her on Watch What Happens Live, so... When uh, Bethany started her Housewives podcast, I know she's got like 40 podcasts at this point, but when she started her Housewives recap podcast, Andy Cohen and Jeff Lewis sort of called her out about it, called her out on it on an episode of Watch What Happens Live, and they sort of said she was a hypocrite, but it it wasn't like that nasty. Like, it was a little tense or anything, but it wasn't that big of a deal, but she's such an NPD freakazoid like Nini is that instead of just like laughing it off and being like, yeah, you're right. I was a bit of a hypocrite. She spun this crazy story about how like Andy and Jeff had set her up to be attacked on the show and they were bullies and her daughter saw it and her daughter was like, mommy, why are they doing this to you? And then she got like Jeff to apologize to her. It was nuts. And she's had it out for them ever since. And she's just been like, raging since that happened especially about andy because she blames andy for it that is the basis of her entire reality reckoning like of course she's using it to get press for herself and she has this like martyr complex that you know she always needs like a cause like it was the charity thing now it's this but at at its core it's about destroying andy cohen because he owned her on television and bethany doesn't really get owned like Bethany's used to being the smartest person in the room and used to, like, running the show, even against Carol, even though you kind of, like, look back at that and you're like, oh, Carol was actually in the right, like, Bethany had so much goodwill behind her just because she was, like, the star of the show and I think the edit was helping her out and, like, trying to protect her a bit and they left some stuff off, so she even came out of that on top and they, like, fired Carol and kept her, but at the point that she went on Watch What Happens Live, people were starting to be like, yeah, she is like a bit of a hypocrite and like kind of crazy. And he checked her for it and she's never gotten over it. So, when you listen to her reality reckoning rants, just remember that they all go back to Andy Cohen. Like, listen to it. Like, she always weaves in something about what Andy did. Andy asks problematic questions. Andy does this. Andy's unprofessional. Like, it always ties back to Andy. So, you can see what it's really about. And Bethany and Nene on their interview were so creepy talking about Andy. They were like, we wanted to be his favourite and he was supposed to protect us, like, protect you. He's your boss and he's, like, also on, like, it, it's very weird. Um... Anyway, so Bethany had Nene on the show to bash Andy and Bravo, but, like, Bethany's still Bethany at the end of the day. She still has that logical side and that BS detector. You know, like, she doesn't let anybody skate by. If things don't make sense, she calls them out on it. And Nene's such a nutcase that, like, Bethany was, like, pushing back on her and, like, trying to, like, make sense of things. And Bethany will be like, well, what do you mean you can't get a job? Like, did they say did they say that you can't get a job? And like Nene can't answer any question because it's all completely untrue. Like, JVN has more on his side t- to bolster what he's saying than Nene. Like, nothing Nene says is true. And um Nini is like it's like full-blown conspiratorial like ramblings of a homeless doomsday preacher on the street. Not so stuff. And Nene started getting like pissed off having bethany push her and at one point nini's like i'm not crazy and it's like uh, you are girl like you're very crazy like nini actually really needs therapy and mental he- health treatment badly i'm not even trying to be like funny or shady like she needs treatment and she'll never be back on bravo either because even the lawsuit aside um all of the reasons that they demoted her it's like still in place if anything it's like worse like because it's just the stubbornness to have sort of hit rock bottom like she did, and to have done no inner work or self-reflection. You know, even, like, you look at um, Vicky Gumbelson, she seems to have gotten in a better place, like Ramona, and these, are, you know, very extreme personalities, these are narcissists. They were kind of delusional. They were on the show for, like, over a decade, like Nini was, and they seem to have um, gotten a bit better, and- Nene, if anything, has gotten worse, and she's just still beating the same drum. So, yeah, she will never work for Bravo again, and if other companies don't want to work with her, then why would you want to work with somebody that files false lawsuits and goes to the media with them and tries to leverage a huge social uh, moment to get you cancelled just because they're not happy with getting their episode rate on a TV show reduced? Like, you can't work with people like that. They're dangerous. I um definitely stay away from the, like the non-binary type people now. I think I told this story before, but there's a writer that I knew and they're a decent writer and they were posting on their social media about how oh, I really need a job, you know, I'm in a tough spot. And I thought, oh, maybe I should just, you know, send them um, you know, to my bosses or like get them an interview and then see if they're interested in hiring them. And then I was going to do it. Cause you know, I felt bad for the person. And then I saw that they had, they weren't transgender, but they were like non-binary. It was like a, it was like a bald man that wears makeup. And I was looking through his tweets and there was like a lot of gender, mental health issues. And I'm like, this is like not worth it. Like not only are these people kind of unstable, but You don't know if, you know, something goes, like, we have a lot of people come through and they can't cut it. Like, you'd be surprised how many people can't cut it in uh, just tabloids and journalism and just reporting. Like, you think it's easy on the outside, which, like, I mean, I find it easy, but there's so many people that, like, can't do it and it's like, what if I hire this person and they can't really do the job and then they don't make it past the probation period or something. And then suddenly it turns into, I was discriminated because I'm non-binary. I was just like, no. So I didn't put them forward for a job. So that's just how the fucking world works. Anyway, guys, that's it. Head on over to Patreon if you want to take part in uh, the Q&A. Otherwise, I'll probably see you next week if I have the energy to do another episode. Bye.